you don't know that much about quantum computing, there's no need to feel bad. You are far from alone. In November of 2019, Jack Hittery, who is affiliated with Google and is the author of Quantum Computing, an Applied Approach, said that he believed only 800 people in the world have the expertise needed to truly understand how to apply quantum algorithms. Some of those people work at Seek, a quantum computing company headquartered in Elmsford, New York, with facilities in London and Naples, Italy. Seek's approach to building a quantum computer is quite unique and offers a roadmap for scalable, application-based quantum computers, which can be leveraged to solve some of the world's greatest challenges. This is a series of interviews published by that company. In this episode, Seek Creative Director Frederick Kallstrom speaks to Rachel Resnick about her role as a superconducting test engineer. If you want to know more about Seek and the work they do to make computers for the quantum age, you can visit them at seek.com. Now, the conversation with Rachel Resnick. What do you do here at Seek? So at Seek, basically, I'm a superconducting test engineer. So essentially, there are people who design these SFQ chips. And we essentially take the chips that get designed and fabricated, and we test and see, do they work? How well do they work? What are kind of the different parameters of how we can make them better and like how we can integrate them later on with the qubit. And how do you test the chip? So there's multiple ways. Essentially, the first test we want to do is make sure that at the 4K temperature, the temperature where all the niobium superconducts, that everything works well. So we essentially just take our devices and we dunk them in liquid helium. And I say dunk and I mean it. We just submerge these things in a, in a big doer of liquid helium. And then we do all the electrical measurements using different kind of like room temperature electrical components to test them. And that's that. And then essentially after they work at 4 Kelvin, we want to look at them in the dilution refrigerators or in the ADR and to look at lower temperatures. Because essentially we want to end up using these chips at millikelvin temperatures to use them with the qubits and make sure everything works out. So superconducting, can you explain that concept? A superconductor is essentially a type of metal in a certain phase where it has no energy dissipation. So essentially, let's say you have a long piece of copper wire, which is what people typically use to send electrical signals. You set your signal down at some power, and you lose some of that power in the copper. It heats up, the electrons hit each other and such. So in a superconductor, essentially, this special phase of a material you send energy through it, and the electrons, they don't knock into each other. They essentially move all together in a way that lets you send energy down with no dissipation. So it's essentially, if we had superconductors that worked easily at room temperatures, we could power cities without losing any energy in the power lines, for example. And so this type of technology right now, we only know materials that superconduct usually at pretty low temperatures. So a lot of the things that we're dealing with are made of niobium, which superconducts below, I think, somewhere around below 10 Kelvin. And so a lot of our testing is done at 4 Kelvin, which is just the natural temperature of liquid helium. And so niobium is a good superconductor. And essentially, if you send energy through it, none of it gets dissipated. Wow, so no resistance. Does that mean it travels faster? Um, that's a good question. I don't think so. And essentially, these signals just travel at the speed of light in whatever medium they're in. But this speed is already extremely fast. <laughs> so what did you do before you got here? Before I got to Seek, I was doing my master's degree at Ohio State University in essentially material physics. I was doing a lot of fabrication, making thin film materials, and doing electrical measurements on them. 
And then before that, I was in undergrad actually doing a lot of research in a group that did scanning squid microscopy. So that's actually really related to what Seek does. And the fabrication room that we have here, they actually fabricated the squids that I was testing back in undergrad. Oh, that's great. So do you have a favorite material? That's a great question. I like platinum a lot. <laughs> So essentially, a lot of times you make these really small devices. They're like five by five millimeter chips and you have these tiny pads that you need to make electrical connections on. To do that, you use wire bonding. And so I've done many, many hours of wire bonding in my life. And platinum is a really good material to wire bond to. You can always get it on the first try. Nothing slides around. And for example, silver is a material I really don't like because it doesn't work well for this. So in the process here, you know, we design, manufacture, and test the chip. Could you talk a little bit about the process? Yeah, so basically at Seek, we're able to do all the parts for making these SFQ devices. So essentially someone will go onto their computer and basically in a software that just looks like you're drawing a bunch of things, they design these chips with all the special like junctions and stuff in them, the Josephine junctions, all the materials that are in it. And then they take that design and the fabrication people take it and they make it reality. They grow all these materials on these silicon wafers and they make these really beautiful devices. And then we can take those devices and just, you know, run them across the street, throw them in four Kelvin liquid helium or in one of our dilution refrigerators and we can test them and see what they do and hopefully get them to become a part of a computer one day. So how did you get into this field and, and what you're doing now? So it started with a flip of a coin. When I was an undergrad, I was a computer science major, and then one day I woke up and I figured out I didn't want to do that. So I was with my friends, and we flipped a coin to decide between mechanical engineering and physics. And so I ended up doing physics, and I enjoyed it a lot. And essentially, right when I joined this major, I joined a research group that did scanning good microscopy. So this is dealing with low temperature superconductors and kind of these um, different types of devices. And squids are actually kind of a big part of qubits. We weren't using them in the same way, but it's really like tangentially related. And so essentially working in that lab, I had a lot of fun with the engineering side of things, like working in dilution refrigerator. How do you make all these designs to work at low temperature and to essentially have good thermal conductivity at these millikelvin temperatures? And so then after doing that, I went to grad school, kind of figured out, like tried other things, figured out, no, I really, I really want to stick with low temperature superconductors and that type of thing. And then I found Seek and I joined. <laughs> so if this is a success and we're able to create a quantum computer, what do you think the impact will be? What do you think the benefits will be to the world? I think that if Seek's able to build a quantum computer that kind of with all the other, you know, big companies that are also doing similar things that I think what's going to happen is people are going to kind of put their designs and everyone else's designs together and make this, you know, many bit quantum computer and it's going to open up so many opportunities especially I think in the field of research like such as um people have talked a lot about for like biomedical research that you can do all these simulations on quantum computers that you can on classical because they're just so complicated and there's so many things involved and that'd be really cool so for in the case of like the whole pandemic maybe if we had quantum computers earlier we could have had vaccines earlier and such and maybe in the future the ability to use a quantum computer will help us solve issues in a lot faster ways if you're at a dinner party and someone asks what you do how do you explain it 
Um, if someone asked me what I do at a dinner party, I would probably just say I'm an engineer and hope they don't ask anything else. But if they continue asking, I would say that I work at a company that's trying to build a quantum computer, and I would say that I test the chips that will be part of this computer. And then I really hope they don't ask any more details because I think unless someone has a background in condensed matter physics, it's very hard to explain what a dilution refrigerator is or what even what 4 Kelvin means or how you get there. How do you explain quantum computing? I think the way to explain quantum computing is that essentially you, in classical computing, you have a bit, it's either a zero or a one, end of story, nothing else. But in quantum computing, your qubit are now the essentially kind of the thing that's similar to a classical bit, your qubit is essentially not a zero or a one, it's anywhere in between. So it's kind of, you can think of you have a sphere and you have an arrow pointing anywhere on this sphere and zero is at the bottom and one's at the top. And so we can be in any weird state in between. So you can store so much more information in that. And then also you have all these many qubits and instead of let's say a bunch of bits interacting where you have zero and ones and then they can only interact in kind of a handful of ways, qubits can interact in so many other ways because they kind of hold so much more information. When we talk about SEEK, obviously the name, Scalable Energy Efficient Quantum Computing, but what is scalable? Scalability, what does it mean? So the company named SEEK, the S stands for scalability, and essentially that means that we can, you know, we, once we make our qubits and kind of put them together with our SFQ chips, that we can make a lot of them and make a lot of quantum computers out of these. And this is really important because essentially in a lab, you need, let's say, a handful of qubits to work and a handful of like your SFQ circuits to work. But in the real world, if we want an actual quantum computer, we need many, many of these. And then if we want a quantum computer for, let's say, 100 companies, we need at least 100 of these. So being able to scale what we're doing is really important and our technique kind of allows that because essentially by having these SFQ circuits on top of our qubits, we're getting rid of a lot of the complicated overhead that happens outside of the dilution refrigerator. We're getting rid of a lot of the coaxial cables which can be very expensive and hard to deal with. And essentially, we're kind of trying to make things more similar to how normal computers run, where everything is digital and you can just input signals on a regular wire instead of like a fancy coaxial cable. Amazing. And the same for energy efficient. What do we mean by that? So the double E in SEEK stands for energy efficient. And essentially, that means that our quantum computers are not going to need a lot of energy to power them. And one thing is that this is really important in a dilution refrigerator because you only have so much cooling power. And essentially, it will be really hard to make dilution refrigerator that has a lot more cooling power than they already do, so we might as well work with what we have. So essentially, the way our chips will work is that they won't need as much power, and therefore they'll actually stay at low temperature where they'll work the best. So tell me a little bit about bringing all these people together, SFQ people, physicists. How do you all work together? So basically, at Seek, we have so many different kind of people. We have the people working on designing these chips, have people creating the chips, the fabricators who work in the clean room, people like me testing chips. Then we have people doing the business side of things as well. So for us to all work together, it's quite hard because everyone has such different yet specific technical backgrounds. So I think part of it is that we have quite a few meetings during the week where everyone kind of gets together and talks about what they're doing. And maybe I don't understand what, say, the qubit testing people are doing exactly, but in these meetings you 
get enough of an idea of what they're doing to kind of know if I have this question, I can ask them and they'll know the answer to it. Because sometimes the hardest thing is just knowing who to ask your question to. And then essentially, it's also really cool to have this many really intelligent people working at one place with almost everyone has a PhD. They all know something very specific and high tech about their field. And then kind of we put all of this together and it gives us this like great database of information that everyone knows. So what attracted you to this job? Why do you think others should work here? Yeah, so basically the reason that I chose to work at Seek kind of came from my interview process that I didn't really know what I was interviewing for. I got contacted by a recruiter for this, you know, all I was told it was a quantum computing company. That was it, nothing else. And so basically during my interview, everyone seemed really happy and they really enjoyed the environment here of having so many smart people in kind of one building working together and the great collaborative team between us and the UK and Italy and just kind of that feeling of everyone loving their job and really appreciating the kind of camaraderie between everyone, that was really exciting. Then another thing that really kind of pushed me towards wanting to work here was after my interviews and getting a job offer, John Levy, the CEO, actually had a meeting with me over Microsoft Teams, and he was really nice, and he was so adamant about caring about the diversity of the company and the future and making sure all the employees were happy and kind of knew that they were a big part of what he was trying to build. Thanks for listening. For more of these conversations, go to wherever you get your podcasts, search Conversations for the Quantum Age, and hit subscribe. You can learn more about Seek and the work they do by going to seek.com. That's S-E-E-Q-C dot com. This conversation was recorded at Seek's headquarters in Elmsford, New York. The series is produced by Seek creative director Frederick Hallstrom, who also did the interview. It was edited and sound engineered by Badia Shihab. The title music was composed by Anders Okergren, using sounds recorded at the Seek chip foundry in Elmsford, New York. My name is Tyler McLean. See you next time.
So at Seek, basically, I'm a superconducting test engineer. So essentially, there are people who design these SFQ chips. And we essentially take the chips that get designed and fabricated, and we test and see, do they work? How well do they work? What are kind of the different parameters of how we can make them better and like how we can integrate them later on with the qubit? So there's multiple ways. Essentially, the first test we want to do is make sure that at the 4K temperature, the temperature where all the niobium superconducts, that everything works well. So we essentially just take our devices and we dunk them in liquid helium. And I say dunk and I mean it. We just submerge these things in a, in a big doer of liquid helium. And then we do all the electrical measurements using different kind of like room temperature electrical components to test them. And that's that. And then essentially after they work at 4 Kelvin, we want to look at them in the dilution refrigerators or in the ADR and to look at lower temperatures because essentially we want to end up using these chips at millikelvin temperatures to use them with the qubits and make sure everything works out. A superconductor is essentially a type of metal in a certain phase where it has no energy dissipation. So essentially, let's say you have a long piece of copper wire, which is what people typically use to send electrical signals. You send your signal down at some power, and you lose some of that power in the copper. It heats up, the electrons hit each other and such. So in a superconductor, essentially, this special phase of a material you send energy through it, and the electrons, they don't knock into each other. They essentially move all together in a way that lets you send energy down with no dissipation. So it's essentially, if we had superconductors that worked easily at room temperatures, we could power cities without losing any energy in the power lines, for example. And so this type of technology right now, we only know materials that superconduct usually at pretty low temperatures. So a lot of the things that we're dealing with are made of niobium, which superconducts below, I think, somewhere around below 10 Kelvin. And so a lot of our testing is done at 4 Kelvin, which is just the natural temperature of liquid helium. And so niobium is a good superconductor. And essentially, if you send energy through it, none of it gets dissipated. That's a good question. I don't think so. And essentially, these signals just travel at the speed of light in whatever medium they're in. But this speed is already extremely fast. <laughs> Before I got to SEEK, I was doing my master's degree at Ohio State University in essentially material physics. I was doing a lot of fabrication, making thin film materials, and doing electrical measurements on them. And then before that, I was in undergrad actually doing a lot of research in a group that did scanning squid microscopy. So that's actually really related to what Seek does. And the fabrication room that we have here, they actually fabricated the squids that I was testing back in undergrad. That's a great question. I like platinum a lot. <laughs> So essentially, a lot of times you make these really small devices. They're like five by five millimeter chips, and you have these tiny pads that you need to make electrical connections on. To do that, you use wire bonding. And so I've done many, many hours of wire bonding in my life. And platinum is a really good material to wire bond to. You can always get it on the first try. Nothing slides around. And for example, silver is a material I really don't like because it doesn't work well for this.
Yeah, so basically at Seek, we're able to do all the parts for making these SFQ devices. So essentially, someone will go onto their computer and basically in a software that just looks like you're drawing a bunch of things, they design these chips with all the special like junctions and stuff in them, the Josephine junctions, all the materials that are in it. And then they take that design and the fabrication people take it and they make it reality. They grow all these materials on these silicon wafers and they make these really beautiful devices. And then we can take those devices and just, you know, run them across the street, throw them in four Kelvin liquid helium or in one of our dilution refrigerators and we can test them and see what they do and hopefully get them to become a part of a computer one day. So it started with a flip of a coin. When I was an undergrad, I was a computer science major, and then one day I woke up and I figured out I didn't want to do that. So I was with my friends, and we flipped a coin to decide between mechanical engineering and physics. And so I ended up doing physics, and I enjoyed it a lot. And essentially, right when I joined this major, I joined a research group that did scanning good microscopy. So this is dealing with low temperature superconductors and kind of these um, different types of devices. And squids are actually kind of a big part of qubits. We weren't using them in the same way, but it's really like tangentially related. And so essentially working in that lab, I had a lot of fun with the engineering side of things, like working in dilution refrigerator. How do you make all these designs to work at low, low temperature and to essentially have good thermal conductivity at these millikelvin temperatures? And so then after doing that, I went to grad school, kind of figured out, like tried other things, figured out, no, I really, I really want to stick with low temperature superconductors and that type of thing. And then I found Seek and I joined. <laughs> I think that if Seek's able to build a quantum computer that kind of with all the other, you know, big companies that are also doing similar things that I think what's going to happen is people are going to kind of put their designs and everyone else's designs together and make this, you know, many bit quantum computer and it's going to open up so many opportunities especially I think in the field of research like such as um People have talked a lot about for like biomedical research that you can do all these simulations on quantum computers that you can on classical because they're just so complicated and there's so many things involved. And that'd be really cool. So for in the case of like the whole pandemic, maybe if we had quantum computers earlier, we could have had vaccines earlier and such. And maybe in the future, the ability to use a quantum computer will help us solve issues in a lot faster ways. Um, if someone asked me what I do at a dinner party, I would probably just say I'm an engineer and hope they don't ask anything else. But if they continue asking, I would say that I work at a company that's trying to build a quantum computer, and I would say that I test the chips that will be part of this computer. And then I really hope they don't ask any more details because I think unless someone has a background in condensed matter physics, it's very hard to explain what a dilution refrigerator is or what even what 4 Kelvin means or how you get there. I think the way to explain quantum computing is that essentially you, in classical computing, you have a bit, it's either a zero or a one, end of story, nothing else. But in quantum computing, your qubit are now the essentially kind of 
the thing that's similar to a classical bit, your qubit, is essentially not a zero or a one, it's anywhere in between. So it's kind of, you can think of you have a sphere and you have an arrow pointing anywhere on this sphere. And zero is at the bottom and one's at the top. And so we can be in any weird state in between. So you can store so much more information in that. And then also you have all these many qubits and instead of let's say a bunch of bits interacting where you have zero and ones and then they can only interact in kind of a handful of ways, qubits can interact in so many other ways because they kind of hold so much more information. So the company named Seek, the S stands for scalability, and essentially that means that we can, you know, we, once we make our qubits and kind of put them together with our SFQ chips, that we can make a lot of them and make a lot of quantum computers out of these. And this is really important because essentially in a lab, you need, let's say, a handful of qubits to work and a handful of like your SFQ circuits to work. But in the real world, if we want an actual quantum computer, we need many, many of these. And then if we want a quantum computer for, let's say, 100 companies, we need at least 100 of these. So being able to scale what we're doing is really important. And our technique kind of allows that because essentially by having these SFQ circuits on top of our qubits, we're getting rid of a lot of the complicated overhead that happens outside of the dilution refrigerator. We're getting rid of a lot of the coaxial cables, which can be very expensive and hard to deal with. And essentially, we're kind of trying to make things more similar to how normal computers run, where everything is digital and you can just input signals on a regular wire instead of like a fancy coaxial cable. So the double E in SEEK stands for energy efficient. And essentially that means that our quantum computers are not gonna need a lot of energy to power them. And one thing is that this is really important in a dilution refrigerator because you only have so much cooling power. And essentially it will be really hard to make a dilution refrigerator that has a lot more cooling power than they already do. So we might as well work with what we have. So essentially the way our chips will work is that they won't need as much power and therefore they'll actually stay at low temperature where they'll work the best. So basically at Seek we have so many different kind of people. We have the people working on designing these chips, have people creating the chips, the fabricators who work in the clean room, people like me testing chips. Then we have people doing the business side of things as well. So for us to all work together, it's quite hard because everyone has such different yet specific technical backgrounds. So I think part of it is that we have quite a few meetings during the week where everyone kind of gets together and talks about what they're doing. And maybe I don't understand what, say, the qubit testing people are doing exactly, but in these meetings you get enough of an idea of what they're doing to kind of know if I have this question, I can ask them and they'll know the answer to it. Because sometimes the hardest thing is just knowing who to ask your question to. And then essentially, it's also really cool to have this many really intelligent people working at one place with almost everyone has a PhD. They all know something very specific and high tech about their field. And then kind of we put all of this together and it gives us this like great database of information that everyone knows. So, you know, we're obviously hiring lots of people. You started this week. Yeah.
Yeah, so basically the reason that I chose to work at Seek kind of came from my interview process that I didn't really know what I was interviewing for. I got contacted by a recruiter for this, you know, all I was told it was a quantum computing company. That was it, nothing else. And so basically during my interview, everyone seemed really happy and they really enjoyed the environment here of having so many smart people in kind of one building working together and the great collaborative team between us and the UK and Italy and just kind of that feeling of everyone loving their job and really appreciating the kind of camaraderie between everyone. That was really exciting. Then another thing that really kind of pushed me towards wanting to work here was after my interviews and getting a job offer, John Levy, the CEO, actually had a meeting with me over Microsoft Teams, and he was really nice, and he was so adamant about caring about the diversity of the company and the future and making sure all the employees were happy and kind of knew that they were a big part of what he was trying to build, and that really meant a